thanks for joining me on this Cleveland baseball morning. The final from Guaranteed Rate Field. I can't believe I'm saying that. In Chicago, it's the Cleveland Indians 7, the Chicago White Sox 1. The Cleveland Indians even up this three-game series with the final taking place later today. I'm Davey Barris, lifelong Cleveland baseball fan, and I want to talk about the actual game on the field, the thing I enjoy watching baseball being played. Now, yesterday, I told you I couldn't record yesterday. I was on an 18-hour road trip. Turns out we made it home in 17 and a half hours, so got myself an extra half hour of sleep. But let's talk briefly about Friday's game because I didn't have a chance to cover it yesterday. All I'm going to say about it, it was an 0-2 loss. All I'm going to say about it is wasted opportunities. And they had leadoff walks. The leadoff hitter walked in the first, second, third, and fifth inning. And they couldn't do anything with it. They had bases loaded in the second and fifth. In the second with no outs. Bases loaded and they couldn't do anything with it. Oscar Mercado struck out and... Uh, Sandy Leone uh, hit into a double play. Then in the 6th, 7th, and 8th, they got runners of scoring position, first and second with one out, two out, one out, and they still weren't able to do anything with it. Then you got Aaron Savale pitching, and he pitched fantastic. Seven innings, only gave up five hits, one earned run, one walk, five strikeouts. So again, wasted opportunities is the theme from Friday night. Now, We uh, go a day later, we go to last night's game, what the episode is really about, and they did not waste their opportunities last night. They win 7-1 on 10 hits, 8 hits for the White Sox, and it was really good. The offense didn't wake up till the fourth inning, but it was really good to see this offense come alive from lower down in in the batting order, right? From hitters 5, 6, and 7 all contributed yesterday. And that's huge because up until this point, this really has been an offense that has circulated around Jose Ramirez, would you say? You know, the the top of the lineup, 1, 2, and 3, maybe 9 turning things over to 1, 2, and 3. That's really been the motor that's, you know, created any offense so far. And, I mean, yesterday, yesterday you had... Two guys in the lineup starting yesterday that were both batting zero. Your seven and eight hitters were both batting zero. And we're how many games into this season? So it was great to see the bottom of the lineup deliver yesterday. The White Sox had kind of a strange day for them. They've had, they're have they dealing with a lot of injuries right now. So they had a bullpen game yesterday. And Foster actually pitched really good as an opener for them. I think that's a role he may find himself in often. He went two innings, a walk, and three strikeouts. But then they bring in Anderson in the third. He gets through the third, fourth, not so lucky. The Indians put up six runs in the fourth. Just a few things to note before we get there. A really weird play where uh, Carlos Santana walked to lead off the second inning. And then with Fermil Reyes batting, the ball gets away from Grandal and it's like kicking around in the dirt and it's at the umpire's feet. And Santana hesitates, but then he decides to go and he gets gunned out by Grandal. They actually had to challenge the play because they originally called him safe. And this frustrates me. I remember this starting in the 2016 playoffs when replay really started to become prominent. 
And this play where a, a runner will slide into second base. And as he's sliding over the bag, his torso, you know, uh, releases contact from the bag for a second before his thigh and his hip makes it to the bag. And as far as I'm concerned, that is not the spirit of the play. If a, if a batter slides in and there's a split second moment of loss of contact with the bag between his arm and his thigh, he's on that back. Like, I mean, starting in when did replay even start in the 2000 teens? So we'll say from 2000 to 1901. So 2001 to 1901 and 100 years of baseball, that runner would never have been called out. He's safe. They called him safe on the field. Now that we can go back and we can analyze the minutia, the minutia is fine for like a foul ball, right? Did it hit the chalk or not? Um, the minutia is fine for a runner's foot hitting first base. That's fine. He really was out or he really was safe. This, the minutia of this is like, come on, physically, there is a gap when you slide. You want these guys to bury their faces in the dirt and keep their bodies flat? Like, it just feels a little dirty. But uh, the play is overturned, and Carlos Santana's called out. Then we get to this fourth, and this is where things get exciting. So Cesar Hernandez walks to lead off the inning. Cesar Hernandez, he's an on-base machine right now. He's doing great. We'll talk about that in a second, on-base percentages. Jose Ramirez pops out to third base. Okay. Francisco Lindor doubles on a line drive to left field. Now... This is something that's going to come back uh, to bite Francisco Lindor in the butt. But he is being very aggressive on the base paths right now. And probably had no business being safe at second base. However, he does his like patented swim move slide. And he's actually able to slide around the tag. And he's safe at second. And Cesar Hernandez is at third. All right. Drew Anderson then throws two wild pitches in the at-bat. The first one allows Cesar Hernandez to come in to score. The next one walks Carlos Santana. That one is called a pass ball, not a wild pitch, and allows Francisco Lindor to come in and score. So the Indians get their first two runs on two wild pitches, or pass balls, I know. Depends how the statistician calls them. The second one really was a pass ball. But I'm putting a lot of the blame here on catcher Yasmani Grandal. That's three... Balls that got away with him. I know he threw Santana out at second, but he lets a lot of wild pitches and pass balls get past him. And if I'm a Chicago White Sox fan, I'm going, how much money did we throw at this guy? What what did we sign Yasmani Grandal for? Like, if you wanted to bring him over to be your DH, that's one thing. He never had a reputation of being a good defensive catcher. So if you're a Chicago fan, this is pretty much what you signed up for. And when it comes with runners on second and third, that hurts, right? The first two runs of the game come across because Yasmani Grandal could not block a ball. So I think as Cleveland Indians fans, even though Sandy Leone and Bo Taylor are hitting nothing right now, and we'll get to that in a second, I think you got to be happy that at least the defensive side of catching for the Cleveland Indians is about as good as you can ask for, right? With Roberto Herdette. With uh, Roberto Perez hurt, you know he's coming back soon. It's about as good as you could ask for on the defensive side. At least we're not giving up things like this. Then uh, Fermil Reyes comes up, and he smacks a big home run to center field. I told you that he could spray that ball all over, and he took a high fastball, which is really good to see because 
Famil Reyes really feeds on low pitches. He likes things down, at least according to his heat maps and his spray charts. He likes things down. And we talked about this last night when he singled in a run where they threw him a high pitch and he didn't, you know, try to uppercut it or anything like that. He got his hands up there and he got that pitch and he stood up tall with his big frame, did the same thing yesterday, kept his shoulders up, used that big frame, got his hands up there and drove a pitch way out to center field. So big home run from Fermil Reyes. Domingo Santana follows that up with a single. He had a good day yesterday. Finally, Domingo Santana with a big day. And then Jordan Luplo. Oh, boy. We should have, like, there should have been, like, a pool going to bet on when Jordan Lupo would finally break his 0 streak. And he gets a home run. He drives a pitch out to left field. I feel like it was an inside pitch uh, down a little bit, and it was just a nice, meaty fastball, and Jordan Luplo turned off it on it off a right-handed pitcher, no less. So Jordan Luplo, who definitely flashed the power last year, Finally gets his first hit. He finally has a batting average. And he talked about it in the post game. He, you know, he had a minor league coach told him if you don't go over 20 or over 30 in your career, then you're not a major league player. Like it happens to everybody, right? If it happened, if it happened in August in a real season in a 162 game schedule, we'd be complaining about it, but it would just be a slump. In a 60-game shortened season when he's starting out the season in this 0 slump, it changes things right a little bit. The perspective of it is different. And so it's great to see Jordan Luplo get that hit. And him and Santana both had great games. And uh, we'll get to Santana in the... Because nothing else really of note happens until that point. There's another wild pitch in the fifth inning for Chicago. And uh, the Indians did get a few threats going later in the game, but didn't really bring a run across the score until Domingo Santana homers in the eighth inning off Steve Chizik, who, again, Chicago paid a lot of money for, and it's not working out. I think his, what's his ERA at right now? It's not pretty. It's at 11.12 for a guy they paid big money for to be a uh, reliever for them. So, Domingo Santana homers off him, and that's the last run scored by the Indians. Johan Moncada did score in the eighth. He hit a home run off Cam Hill. We'll talk a second about the Indians pitching, but that was the only run put up for the White Sox. So there's your scoring. Those are your plays and note from yesterday's game. Let's take a look at that box score for the Indians. Like I said, it was not the top of the lineup who was doing the damage yesterday. Cesar Hernandez actually had three strikeouts on the day. The Indians, of course, struck out 12 times. They will strike a lot. Uh, Bo Taylor had four strikeouts. He was 0 for 4, so he continues to hit nothing. In fact, let's talk about it for a second. The Cleveland Indians catchers, I don't know if you're aware of this, but they have not gotten a hit since Sandy Leone got a hit on July 30th. That's the last time the Cleveland Indians catchers, Sandy Leone and Bo Taylor, are 0 for August so far at the plate. And you know what? I'm thinking, do we really need Bo Taylor around? I mean, Bo Taylor isn't exactly known for his bat. And, I mean, we need we need our catching. Until Roberto Perez comes back, we need our catching duo to at least, what, hit 100? 
hit 150, would that be too high of a batting average to ask for from our tandem? We need something. I mean, just just a walk maybe, or you know, at least Sandy Leone is doing that. He's he's getting on base somehow. But uh, I, I don't know exactly what they brought Bo Taylor in for. I know they have uh, Cameron Rupp down in the at the uh, training facility. He's on. He's not on the forty man. But if you release Bo Taylor, then you can bring him up on the forty man. I just I don't see what Bo Taylor is giving us right now. So let's go ahead and let's get. Uh, Cameron Rupp up here, or somebody else, somebody who could at least put some lumber on it. 0 for 4 with 4 strikeouts. Not a great day. But the damage is done from uh, 5, 6, and 7. And from 9. Delano to Shields, don't forget, had 2 hits, 2 for 4 on the day with a strikeout. He's hitting 375 in his you know brief, I think this is only his second appearance, right? So, it's good to see from him. Nope. I'm correct. Third appearance. This is his third appearance. He did have an at bat. I mean, he walked three times in that game yesterday, in that game Friday. So, in his third appearance, yeah, it's great to see from Delino to Shields. That is something that could really help this team is having a little bit of reliability in the outfield. And if it's center field, if he takes center field away from Oscar Mercado, then you know what? They're both young guys, both. We all thought Oscar Mercado was the center fielder of the future, but, I mean, Delano DeShields is a young guy, and we'll see. We'll see where their two careers go from this because Oscar Mercado is struggling, and Delano DeShields is the new shiny toy to play with, right, for for whoever's managing this team. So, yeah, Famille Reyes, two hits on the day, two for four with two RBIs. Domingo Santana with two hits on the day, and Jordan Luplo with that big homer. How about the pitching? Because if you're checking out all the articles out there right now about the games this weekend, it's all about the pitching after Savali, and Plesak follows it up with a great performance, six innings, five hits. He did have a couple of jams, especially in the second and the third, but he was able to work out of them, one with a... He got the batter out. The other one was a strikeout, a big strikeout to end a threat. Walk and seven strikeouts on the day. No earned runs. No runs given up. In fact, the only run came off Cam Hill. Uh, Simber comes in and pitches a clean seventh. He gets two strikeouts. Simber's looking good, guys. I mean, I know Simber's someone we always worried about. Simber hasn't given up a run yet. So I, I that is great to see from Simber, especially having to face... You know, that new three batter rule where he can't just come in and face a righty. He's got to pitch an inning. How many appearances has Simber had on the season? Let's take a look here. This is his fifth appearance. And he's gone almost an inning every time. On July 29th, he went two-thirds of an inning. So it probably ended an inning. So, yeah, in uh, in four and two-thirds innings, he's only given up two hits and one walk with three strikeouts. So looking pretty good from Simber in this new style of, you know, bullpen uh, execution, you know, where they've got to face three batters. Cam Hill comes in, did get into trouble, two hits and a walk. He gave up that solo home run, but he gets a strikeout and he gets out of it. So Cam Hill, that's fine. 
Camille is very young and could be a really effective piece of this bullpen. And then Phil Maton comes in and pitches the ninth inning. I, I never say his name right. I'm sorry, Please correct me on Twitter and give me the pronunciation. for. I've called him Madden, Maton. One day I'll get it right. He gives up a hit but gets a strikeout and ends the game for the Indians. Plesak really, really working that breaking ball for strikeouts. And then... It was the two-seam fastball, and one day we'll get into the two-seam fastball because I feel like it's really, really been a hot pitch in the last few years. But he gets the first strikeout of, I think it's Johan Mancada. He strikes him out on three straight pitches to start the game, and you just know when you do that, it's going to be a great day for you as a starting pitcher. And he got him with the two-seam fastball. It has a lot of movement back to the right, back in against lefties, in tight against righties. And he was using it really effectively. Froze some guys, got some guys swinging through it. And so a great pitching day for Zach Plesak. And he just keeps rolling around long. Him and Savali, I mean... Hamilton said it last night in the broadcast. Now, he was exaggerating a little bit. He said he's the fifth starter for the Indians. On some teams, he'd be their ace. I don't know if he's an ace yet, but, I mean, you can't you can't argue the numbers. He's pitching at ace-level numbers right now. And, you know, he would be a high starter on another team somewhere. And when you have, you know, I mean, we just got Bieber and Clevenger here a few years ago. Like, it hasn't been that long that Bieber and Clevenger have been up. So that Savali and Plesak are following right behind him. They kind of got lost in the shovel. shuffle. We talked about Savali's journey up here. It wasn't a very highly touted prospect or anything like that. And same thing with Plesak. These guys just showed up, and they're fantastic. So another deep dive we're going to have to do at some point is look at the development that these Cleveland Indians minor league coaches are doing with these pitchers to get them up here and get them ready. So... Great pitching from the Indians, some very timely hitting, and some big power. Finally, some big power. I mean, when's the last time? I don't know if we've seen three home runs from the Indians in one game ever, unless Jose Ramirez is doing it himself. So, great to see from the Cleveland Indians. We need to talk briefly about the outfield, because... And this will be our last thing on the day. But right now on the active roster, there are six outfielders. And they're doing everything they can to move these guys in and out and get them at bats. And Sandy Alomar said that there's no way for Jordan Luplo to bust out of his slump sitting on the bench. So he kept putting him in the lineup. So the Indians have a decision to make because Tyler Naquin is coming back. And they definitely want to get Tyler Naquin out there. It gives them another left-hander. Right now, Bradley Zimmer is the only left-handed hitter in the outfield. So, you know, and Naquin has to be on the team, right? I, I don't think he has any options. We want Tyler Naquin here. Tyler Naquin is one of my guys, one of my guys I root for that I really want to see develop into an all-star level outfielder because I think he has it. I think he's got the swing. I think he's got that line drive lefty swing. I think he's got the defense to become a really good outfielder for the Cleveland Indians, and I want to see him stick. And they've got a decision to make because Delano DeShields just joined the team. I mean, Bradley Zimmer has maybe been your most reliable outfielder. Vermeil Reyes is obviously your DH, even though he's listed as an outfielder. He's not going anywhere. So in Jordan Luplo, they've been putting so much work and effort into Jordan Luplo. I mean, we Domingo Santana finally has a big game. Is, is Oscar Mercado the, the odd man out here? He's been struggling a lot in his sophomore season. 
So is there a chance that Oscar Mercado gets sent? I think he has, he has options. I'm sure I think he has plenty of options because I don't remember him bouncing back and forth too much last year. So maybe they do. Maybe they give him a break and they send him over to Lake County and they let him work on his contact again and in his eye and finding and not striking out basically. His swing had looked a little better, and his last few, you know, his last few hits have been kind of singles up the middle, but they've been very few and far between, and a lot of strikeouts in between there. So, on, honest to God, the only move I can see them making is Oscar Mercado, unless they decide that they just there's no at bats for Yu Chang, and so they send Yu Chang back down and just keep Mike Freeman as the utility guy for every position. I don't see another roster move they can make. It's either Mercado or it's Yu Chang. So we'll see when Tyler Naquin's healthy, when he's fully healthy, and he comes back to this team, what the Indians have to do. They're also going to get into a situation where I believe the rosters have to be cut down to 26 players. They're at 28 right now. And maybe in another week or so, they have to be cut to 26. So they're going to have to make some decisions then. I, Yu Chang will probably definitely be gone then. And another outfielder will be gone. So, you know, Bradley Zimmer, does Bradley Zimmer have options left? Maybe it just becomes a contract game and, a, you know, a math game with the money. And if someone has an option, then they're going to get sent down just because they want to keep everybody in the system. They don't want to lose players. They don't have to DFA them. And so put them on waivers or anything like that. So it might, it might be a situation where if you've got an option, the Indians are going to use it because they're trying to keep as many of these guys available as possible. All right. The game tomorrow, it's a big one. It's a seven o'clock start. It's Shane Bieber against Giolito for the White Sox. And I mean, at this point, Shane Bieber pitching is like we said last time, must see TV. So I'm excited for this game tonight. I'm excited not to be on a 17-hour road trip listening to Tom Hamilton in my ear while I drive. I'm excited to be home and watch this game. And the Indians are at 9-7 and seven right now. If they win this series against the White Sox, it would take them to 10-7. and seven. I think you'd feel pretty good about that after the first few weeks of the season heading into a matchup with the Chicago Cubs. Oh, that's right. After the White Sox, we get the Cubs. So... Looking forward to that. So that's all my thoughts. Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland baseball morning. Again, the final last night from the south side of Chicago. It's the Cleveland Indians 7, the Chicago White Sox 1. We'll be back tomorrow to cover that Shane Bieber game. You can follow me on Twitter at Davey Barris. Leave some comments. I'll try to post so you can leave comments and let me know what you thought of the game. I want to know your thoughts and we'll discuss them on the show. Also, I'm hosting this podcast on Anchor, so if you go to anchor.fm forward slash Cleveland Baseball Mornings, you can leave a voicemail for the show, and we'll play them back on air. We'll respond to your thoughts, and we'll have a fun conversation amongst the fans about baseball. Look, I'm not a press guy. I don't have a press pass. I'm just a fan who's passionate about the Cleveland Indians baseball. So thanks again for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning.